Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Well, hello, everyone. This is Peter Mingles. I am co-hosting this with a special guest, and we're going to introduce her in a second. But for those of you that might be wondering, Dawn Wright DeBronce is my co-host, and she's usually here. And I don't have her, like, tied up, and she's not in the closet or anything else like that. She's traveling, and this is an inconvenient time sometimes for the traveling she's doing. So I'm going to see how long I can keep that going before you guys figure out that maybe she is tied up in the closet and all those type of things. No, but she's on her own. She'll be coming back sometime, I think, soon. That's specifically vague enough. And I am here co-hosting tonight with a special guest. Her name is Jan McGinnis. And for those of you that like to take notes or may be watching or uh, typing some stuff on the Internet while you're looking in, she's under www.theworklady.com. So theworklady.com. And we're going to be talking about humor and being used in the workplace and life in general and all of those things considered. So, Jan, thanks for being on our uh, radio show today with the Dash Network. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. And uh, I hope... Hope you're joking about the tied up in the closet. Oh, what the- <laughs> you're worrying me now. <laughs> I, you know, that's a, I guess right. That's part of the punchline portion of. We got to keep you in kind of like suspense as we go yeah. along. But Jan, we started. We we were talking a little bit before the show about you know how long we've been doing this and things like that. Our theme for the Dash Radio. We call it the Dash because. If you've ever looked on maybe someone's tombstones, for those people that may have had tombstones before, you have a date of birth, and then you have the date that they're done, and then everything in between that fills up that dash. And many times it's only the people that are super close to you that really understand what that represents. But in the same aspect, we get a chance to live our lives all the time. And I love your topic about humor because, you know, when it's all done, when you really take a look at the relevance of everything that we do sometimes, you know, is this like really a big deal? If you don't have a sense of humor, I have always found that, you know, your dash is kind of boring, it's kind of beat, and you're probably ending it a little bit sooner than you're supposed to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if you have to do it, in my estimation, you might as well have fun. So I always had a theme of have fun, make money, help yourself and other people in the process. And if you're doing it any other way, you're probably doing it wrong. So mm-hmm. you, So for people like myself, I love you know, to insert humor into just about everything we do because I think my life has been based here for somebody else's example, if you know what I mean. So talk to us about, like, you and how you've, how long you've been doing this kind of thing, and then we'll blend in the importance of maybe humor into just about everything you do. So tell us more about Jan. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I love the uh, the theme of the Dash Raider because I got into comedy because I, I realized I I didn't, we only go around once, this is it, man. And I was thinking, if I don't do this, I'm just I'm not going to do try something that I really wanted to try. So that's kind of what uh, was the impetus for me getting into comedy. I I always wanted to be a comedian. I grew up uh, in, right outside Washington D.C. and I just always wanted to be a comedian. But you know there was no comedians in my family. I wasn't entertainment family at all, and so I didn't know how to do it. So I I went to college and I remember the night I graduated, 
having dinner with the family at a restaurant, and I was thinking, you know, now is not the time to tell them I want to be a comedian. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just spent a lot of money on this. So I, uh, I kind of clammed up and uh, went into the workforce in the marketing for about 15 years in D.C. and uh, various um, everything from the National Academy of Sciences to the National Ocean Service and uh, all sorts of other businesses out there. And then I thought, you know, I, I really want to try it. I mean, I, I, I just don't want this my life to go away without even trying it. So I did. I got on stage. I wrote some material, got on stage. And I had a couple of little things here and there. I tried out for a contest to be on the, the Tonight Show. And while I didn't win it, I um, I was mentioned in the newspaper. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then I didn't do it for another year. And then I got finally got on stage, and, uh, and it went great. I was hired to... Um, Open for Kevin Nealon, who was on Saturday Night Live at the time. Oh yeah. And so I, yeah, so I was thrilled. I had my little three minutes of material, you know. <laughs> I thought I was funny, <laughs> and uh, but I kept my day job for a couple more years, and finally had kind of had it with uh, uh, the the company and the people I was working for, and uh, didn't feel like I was being treated right. And I have been working as a comedian um, up and down the East Coast. Just about every night and weekend. I mean, I would get leave my job at four o'clock and drive three hours to Williamsburg, and get on stage and leave at one in the morning, drive back, and go to bed, sleep for a few hours, and go to work. And I was doing that for two and a half years. So I finally quit uh, and went full time into uh, into comedy. And because I had been a marketing person, um, I knew of the corporate market. I knew there was uh, more beyond comedy clubs. And I loved the comedy clubs; they were very free. But you know, I was I was mid thirties by then, and I. It, you know, that's a great job for 21-year-old guys. <laughs> you know, free beer all the night, every night, and, and women climbing all over you, and it's great. Uh, not so much for a 35-year-old um, woman. So, uh, you know, as far as I was, I, I was tired, and I just, you know, I wanted a career. I didn't really want to party as much. So I, uh, I saw the comedy clubs. I worked in them for years, for a few years, while I kind of built up my corporate resume and my built my act up, and. Um, Finally, uh, kind of made some connections, got into the corporate market, and been doing uh, full time. I've been a comedian uh, 18 years now, wow. so, which amazes me. Comedian, that comedy writer, I've written for a lot of people, and I also do a lot of uh, uh, humor keys, so um, a lot of public speaking as well. That's that's great, and I, you know, I don't know what that's like, but I know what it's like to have a lot of humor in my life, because when I graduated from college. I was supposed to be a doctor, and this is a more than less true story, so I'm leaving out the details. But when I graduated, I didn't tell my mom I was going to continue to be a doctor. I told her I was going to sell vacuums with a company called Electrolux. And she (laughs) actually... (laughs) I have a who who worked for them. That's funny. That's a real company. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a real company. And I went on the job interview just so mad that I didn't get the previous job that I went to. Remember, I told you my life is like a, my life is designed for your jokes. Let me share with you. In the middle of my first interview, I realized that I forgot my wallet on the hood or the roof of my car, and I said, and "Imagine that in the middle of a job interview in New York." Now they take your hubcaps, right? They take your hubcaps while you're standing yeah. at a stoplight. So I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And I wasn't feeling very well. And by the time I was finished with the gentleman. Because I had remembered mostly through the interview, oh, my gosh, my wallet, where's my wallet? Oh, my, I remember where I put it. <laughs> Very and hard to when focus he, on. Uh, yeah, when he, was, when he was done, I, when, when we were done with the interview, he said, do you have a resume? I said, I do, but you're not having it. Please forget that I was even here. So I kind of had fun with the whole concept that I blew it so bad. But the problem was 
on my second interview, I wanted to get that job so much because I embarrassed myself from the previous one. I kind of wasn't paying attention to what it was. I just knew that I liked the guy that interviewed me, and I took the position as a manager trainee with that company, and I didn't even know the name of the company. And my mom was mad. My mom was mad that I didn't. She said, now my, I, my mom said to me, you know, uh, here you are. We spent all this money getting you through school, and you take a job or you're trying to take a job with a company. You don't even know the name of the company? And I said, Mom, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And uh, when I told her it was, I didn't even know the name. She said, no, not Electrolux. I said, that's the one, because we were a Kirby family. She mm-hmm. said to me, yeah, she said, oh, my gosh. And she literally, she ran across. I know we're on a live radio show, so I'm telling the story. Ma, you ran. <laughs> she grabbed a steak knife, and she started chasing me around the dining room table. She didn't like your company? <laughs> she didn't like the company. She says, you are not. She said, I didn't work for three jobs for four years getting you through school. So you had a little bit more insight to stick with it for about 15 years. I, I was just... I, just, <laughs> I, said, I always wanted to be a comedian. It's kind of in the back of my head. And when I graduated, I, I just didn't know how to do it, and I didn't think I should tell my parents. So I tried very different jobs. Weird, I, I have a, a basket full of weird jobs. I mean, the first one, marketing was a big deal. Uh, it was a new term, I guess. That's how old I am. It was kind of a right, new yeah. term when I came out of college. And uh, so I got to I didn't know what telemarketing was. So I interviewed and um, I got hired and it was selling sides of beef over the telephone. All right. Si- sides si- whole of sides. beef? Right, right. Like As for, like for guys that, like Rocky? Well, yeah, I get, uh, you, you, you have to phone, call these poor people. I got one guy, and I lasted like six hours. The, the punchline is, which gave me seniority, because nobody lasts six hours selling anything on the phone. And they gave me a phone book, and I call these poor people, and I get a lot of shut-ins. You know, we didn't have the Internet back then. We didn't have any of this stuff. So I get these poor uh, – this one old man was just wanting to know about it, and I talked him out of it. I said, sir, it's a lot of beef, all right? It's just you don't want this. And so I was terrible at it. And after the second day, I, I can't believe I even went back. Was what we went, uh, me and a couple of guys went across the street to a Roy Rogers to have a drink or soda or something. I was walking back to the building, and I saw my car, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I got in and left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they still owe me 30 bucks or something. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, wow. You, you, these jobs, you get these jobs, and you have no idea what they are. And in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a comedian. I just didn't know how, so I was not good. Like you said, you connected with a job interviewer. I was not good at job interviewing. I, I got some jobs because people just liked me or someone referred me or something like that, but I was I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, so I wasn't very good at it because I wasn't very focused. I was kind of like, well, I, I don't know. This, I guess your job will be fine. I don't know. <laughs> I was terrible wow. at it. So. So, so then your I guess your hidden passion then was doing the comedian stuff, and you were kind of like, you know, I'm sure you were funny outside, but when you and you probably had a blast whatever you were doing, but you weren't really doing what your passion was. Well, and then, yeah, and I, w- I wasn't really always a class clown either. You know, people are like, "Were you the class clown?" No, I was. Um, I think in high school, I had one person said I should be a comedian. My friend Judy said, uh, "You know, the superlative senior year, they um, have best dressed and most athletic, and I'm better than you, and all that." Um, Judy said, "Well, sometimes you say funny stuff, so I'm gonna." Um, uh, put you down as funniest. So I got two votes, me and Judy. That was it. Wow. Um, so I was not, I was never the class clown either, but I wanted to do it. I mean, even when I went back to my class reunion, people 
were like, you're a comedian, really? We've never heard of you. <laughs> Are you still living at home with your parents? So, well, wow. Yeah. So you're, so I'm sure you're fun, you know what I mean, and funny because it sounds yeah. like oh, you're yeah. like that anyway, you know, but then to make it, there's a real difference between like having fun and I think being funny on demand, that's got to be like really challenging. Like somebody yeah. saying, you know, be be funny. Like that three right. minute stint that you were talking about, That's that's got to be real tough. Well, you know, when I first uh, started doing open mics, too, I actually had one friend blurted out, I'm funnier than you, and then she saw me on stage and later came up and said, well, I'm funnier than you in small groups just chatting with people. Uh, wow. Yeah, it is different when you're on demand, but you have to, you know, I've worked hard at it, and you, and I think anyone, and we can talk about this later in the show, too, I think anyone can um, use humor. You just have to work at it. Um, very few comedians, I think, are born uh, funny, if you if you will. Robin Williams, okay, he probably was. He's um, crazy. There's certain people, but, yeah, he's crazy, but he's funny, and he probably was naturally funny. A lot of us really worked at it, and we figured out how to do it, and and then bring your own personality to the stage, and that combination really um, is a nice hit, uh, yep. if you, if, I guess, if you work hard at, enough at it. Exactly, and I'm sure with practice it gets a little bit smoother, but we'll talk about some of the stuff as, as we come back from a little commercial break. Yeah. We're going to spin some records. We are here with Jan McGinnis. For those people that want to go take a look at the radio or take a look at the web, you can go to theworklady.com, theworklady.com, and we'll be right back. Savage Smokes is a new site on the scene dedicated to the trending electronic cigarette industry. If you are looking into e-cigs as an alternative to tobacco and have been disappointed by the ones you picked up at the gas station or you kept your money in your pocket because you didn't know which one to buy, head to SavageSmokes.com for honest and up-to-date electronic cigarette reviews on most e-cigs you see on the shelves. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. Are here. This is Peter Mingles and our special guest Jan McGinnis. Her website is theworklady.com, and I am right now. If you hear me typing, I am typing the equivalent of keeping Dawn off this radio show because she's like, "Oh my gosh, I was in the middle of a meeting. Do you need me to come in?" I'm like putting her back in the closet, so I'm retaping her up, Jan. <laughs> I'm kind of pushing and stuffing her in there for all those people that might be wondering where she is. She promises she'll be back tomorrow, and I question that because she's busy. So we're, we're here anyway. We're we'll have fun anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have fun anyway. We're going to show up. So we have Jan McGinnis on the other line. She is, she's been a regular person for a long time, and then she kind of like became a comedian for sh- like real professional stuff a little bit later on in her life. And as a result of that, she's kind of educating us how to incorporate humor into many things that you do. Now let's talk about that just for a second. My background has always been in sales or sales management. And mm-hmm. because I always found – if you can get people to smile or laugh, it's almost like the window opens up in their soul. And the more you have fun, the looser they get. And as long as you have a moral compass, you know, the moral compass is not to take advantage of that, like win-win situations every way. 
you might as well have some fun. So if you're going to work like direct sales guys like me, we work 8, 12, 14, 16, 20 out of any 24 hours a day sometimes. If you're going to do something for that long, you might as well have fun. So for you, where does humor fit into all of that? Where does my fun fit into that? Where does yeah, my... like if you don't have a sense of humor, like when you're doing oh. anything. So besides just being a comedian. Well, I think, uh, first of all, you made a good point about sales and, and humor. Uh, you've, marketers have learned this a long time ago. With the, look at the Super Bowl ads. What are they, 3.8 million or something for you know, a 60-second ad? And most of them right. are funny. People have realized that that humor sells. Humor keeps makes you remember the product, uh, makes you laugh, makes you more kind of acceptable uh, to um, to buying the product. Um, it's a it's got so many good um, benefits. Uh, it's a great way to connect you with somebody. If you're you know trying to sell your product, you want to make an instant connection with someone. Uh, you know, don't you? Isn't it fun when they get your joke? And you both get that sort of aha moment and connection, it's a great way to connect with people. Um, so there's so many good benefits to using humor in, in sales and also sometimes just for yourself. I mean, just like you said, you know, when you're working eight to ten hours a day, if you don't have a sense of humor, that's a long day. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just have to do the humor for yourself. Um, humor is subjective. You know, sometimes people don't get your humor. But still have have fun. And, and most of the time, if, if you're not a comedian, most of the time, people don't get mad at you if your joke bombs, or if you're. They appreciate that you're trying to be funny, you know, or trying to add some levity to the situation. Unless you're a comedian, then trust me, you get on stage and you're not funny. People don't like it. <laughs> but if you're if you're just trying to goof around, people enjoy that and and be yourself, you know, have some fun with it. Um, and it changes, um, lightens up your day anyway, you know. Absolutely. Uh, I always, when I do shows for corporations, I try to find out something about the group and write uh, material specific to that just to kick off with a few jokes because it makes my act more interesting to me uh, and to find something about the group and have some fun. It's a great way to just connect right off the bat with the with the people in the audience. Now let's talk about groups for a second because as I was going through your website and reading up about your bio, you've been on lots of radio shows and things along that line and then you've had your chance to do different things with different publications and then you've spoken to various groups. So mm-hmm. talk to us about the types of groups that you've spoken with. Because I saw the I Federal did. Reserve. I didn't I didn't think Federal Reserve had like... <laughs> well, that'd be no, a real I tense have, one. Uh, <laughs> well, I do uh, comedy. I also do some humor keynotes. I've got one called Finding the Funny in Change. And okay. I talk to people about how to use humor to handle change. Um, because we're all dealing with change all the time. And you got to find some ways to, to uh, you know, kick off tough conversations to diffuse tension, I talk about how do you how do you diffuse tension, you know, um, and so I give some tips on that. Uh, I've been brought up in situations where I have to diffuse tension in order to get people in the mood for comedy because uh, these corporations sometimes they bring you up at just the weirdest times. Uh, they think comedy can follow anything. I've been brought up twice after they read off the list of people in the organization who died. All right, oh think that's a good gosh. idea. And oh they bring one time the group actually had a. a solemn candle lighting ceremony. They lit a candle for every person who had passed away, and then they brought me out. I have to use humor to change the energy. I looked over there and I said, uh, you know, we've got some candles left. I don't think somebody else is supposed to be here this week. <laughs> Anyone get a phone? Oh, my yeah. But, you know, you can use humor to break tension, and I and I do these um, keynotes and, and comedy shows 
for every kind of group in the country. Uh, I've been in front of, like you said, the Federal Reserves, um, the Mayo Clinic, um, lots of healthcare groups, because people realize the power of humor and how much they need it. Um, so in any topic is really uh, life for humor. You can really have fun with just about any topic. I mean, I've had to, I've been on some very serious at some very serious events that raise money for some diseases, but you have to find some way to have some humor. Um, you know, I did a uh, fundraiser for a, a group one time. They were raising money for children, and they talk, the woman ahead of me had talked about uh, premature babies. I mean, it was very serious. And That's I got true, to have some yeah. humor with when I went up after her about, you know, to give you an idea of how small that is, the food on your plate was bigger, you know, and right. that got kind of laughing and, and thinking about it. So there, there's you can have fun with just about any topic. Uh, and I've been fortunate in 18 years I've done been in front of, oh, you name it, Pep Boys and, um, uh, gosh, every, you know, Financial Merrill Lynch and every kind of group you can imagine. And it's, it's been fun for me to learn about the different industries too. Oh, sure. That's really something. And then I know your type of humor is, let's call it, I don't know how to brand it, like clean. Like you do yeah. good clean yeah. humor, like yeah, like family-related <laughs> stuff. Clean and funny. People are afraid that clean is not going to be funny. I got the nicest quote from a, I uh, did a college, a uh, group of um, community colleges uh, recently, and the woman said, you know, I was afraid that clean humor wouldn't be my style and we can't have anything racy, and yours was great. It was right there. Um, uh, so I've, I've been fortunate uh, with clean humor. You work more, I think, and you and you uh, obviously will get to do the, the nicer, bigger gigs. But I also tell people when they're starting out trying to come up with comedy, um, you've got to be yourself. You know, if, if if cussing and all that is what you do, it's, you're not going to be you on stage, and, and you have to be you. People are, want to hear your point of view, uh, you'll find your venue, you know, you'll be able to, um, and you'll find your audience and what it resonates with, uh, but you have to be yourself. Um, you know, Eddie Murphy wouldn't be funny if he was not talking the way he talks, you know. Yep. Um, if, Richard you, Pryor, if, you're watching, guy, if you're watching Raw, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're watching Raw. <laughs> but, you know, also I think a lot of people get confused between um, clean and they think, um, uh, you can be dirty, and it's dirty. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example. Richard Pryor, very funny. But he was he was he used a lot of cuss words, but if you took the cuss words out, he's still funny. On paper, he's funny. Uh, a lot of comedians come up now, and they are just cussing to cuss. They aren't. There's not a point to it, and that's not funny. If you took out all the cuss words, there's no punchline. They, they use a cuss word as a punchline, and that's not funny. Um, you know, it's harder to write clean. You've got to come up with a a punchline, but you know, if you took the cuss words out, you could do the jokes anywhere. Right. So you've done stuff before for major, you know, corporations like you mentioned, like Pet Boys and the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, and, and and things along that line. I and you said one of the keys would be is if you kind of know your audience. So would yes. you do yes. a little like would you do a little bit of like um, would you do a little bit of homework or speak to people? Yeah, talk I, to us about that. Sure. I always have a conference call with a group ahead of time, and I've got some standard questions I ask, and if any, anyone wants to know what those are, I'm happy to email you over a list of what I ask. Things like, you know, what are some of the challenges your group is facing? What are some of the headaches they're dealing with? Because you can always have some fun with you know that the, the copier doesn't work, you know, and we've been having such a hard time with the copier. You can go up and ha- have a couple of jokes about that and connect right away, and people go, ah, she gets us. 
she under you know she understands that. Um, I find out the lingo sometimes. I do a lot of uh, healthcare programs, and I understand words like ICD-10 and RACs and all that. And I can go up and then uh, have some fun with those. Um, and and people and it connects people. Again, uh, I'm not a nurse or a doctor, but uh, they appreciate that I've done a little bit of research. Um, so I, I have a conference call ahead of time. Go over some questions. I always tell. I look at their websites. Um, I always tell them send me whatever information you'd like to about the group, and you know I will um, uh, pull it all together when I sit down to write and just kick off with a few jokes on them. Um, I, I like to ask what the theme of the conference. You know, because sometimes you can have some fun with the theme. Um, who else is on the program? What else are they doing? Any kind of team building things. I've got uh, something coming up. Uh, later this week, where they're one of their team building exercises, they're doing they're all building a one person boat, and I think that's kind of cool, you know. And so I think I'm gonna have some fun with uh, building a one person boat. That I, it's on the water. I don't know if they're gonna actually sail it, but um, that would be funny. But wow. you know, you want to find out a little history on the group too. Um, you know how often they have the conference, that sort of thing. Um, so you can just go in, and it makes it fresh to me, makes it fun, but also. Um, let them know you know something about it and you're not just giving a canned speech. Right. Canned and that's comment, probably, so. Knowing then what to say is probably just as important as knowing what not to say. Because right. if you Sometimes need, they'll, if, they'll tell me, oh, don't talk about this. I'm like, well, I wouldn't have known if you hadn't told me. Right. <laughs> now it's in my head. <laughs> but, right, sometimes they say, you know, we just had a murder. We, please don't talk about it. Um, you know, we just had this or that happen. Please don't talk about it. And that's very helpful. Um, my friend Frank King is a comedian. He says, you know, a lot of times they're they're paying me uh, the big bucks for what I don't say, and right. um, that includes the cussing and the and also it's a little different when you get in front of a corporate audience. You know, in a comedy club, uh, the you, the drunk heckler, you can go after them and you can slam them and and you've got a whole toolbox of stuff. In the corporate arena, the drunk heckler might be the CEO that's writing the check. You got to let them win sometimes or just or move on. You know, ignore them a little bit more. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a different animal than than just getting up on the comedy club. And you know, the corporate arena, they're they're looking for fun and and humor and everything. But they these people have been usually sitting in meetings all day or something. They're tired. They just want to end on a high note. Um, so it's a it's a little bit of a um, different atmosphere than a, in a comedy club where people are drinking heavily and. And, you know, they're there just for the comedy. So, well, you got to kind of understand the different uh, venues you're talking to. It would be knowing your audience and definitely doing some homework, like you had mentioned a little bit earlier, would help prevent some of those awkward moments. Because you might think yeah. that something's yeah. as funny as heck, but if it's the worst thing you could possibly be really joking about, <laughs> it's right. like, right. it could still really be funny, but it's like, whoa, did I blow that? Well, you know, it's so, funny when I talk to you. When I have these conference calls, sometimes they'll say things like, oh, yeah, talk about Tom's divorce, or they say things like, talk about her big hair. Like, you know what? You don't say that to their face. I'm not going to say it. You know? Right. But they 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 think you can say anything. And I can say Sometimes I can get up and say the things that have been bothering people, and and sometimes it's helpful to management. Uh, I had one really funny event one time uh, where they had told me ahead of time that they had, that the whole company was just angry about no, um, they had not had any uh, raises all year. Uh, in a couple of years, they hadn't had any raises, and once again, they were not going to have a raise. And this is their Christmas party, and so I got on stage and was kind of doing my little act, and I was getting some laughs and stuff. And finally, it was in a, uh, in Iowa, in a very 
cold state. And I said, you know, uh, we don't have any snow out here. In fact, I understand the only thing uh, in December that's frozen are your salaries. And the place went insane. <laughs> the place went insane. They loved it. And they thought, yeah, because I kind of was able to say what was on and, what was on the, everyone's mind out there and what the boss, you know, the boss had even given me this information. So I I think he he laughed because he knew he had to kind of show that, okay, I get it. You all are angry about this. Let's get this out. And, and right. it turned out to be great, you know. So I was able to say what the boss could. Right. Well, it helps break the ice for sure. And you can, you know, one of the things we used to say is you can say just about anything you want as long as you say it with a smile on your face. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, you know, so, I talk about that, and I talk about in my uh, humor keynotes about uh, kind of getting that big elephant out on the table and saying things. I mean, I I had to go up one time after uh, it was a health care event, and it was a uh, hospital service awards where they gave out pins, service pins for years of service. They gave out 292 pins. People walked to the stage, got their pin, walked back. 292 of these. Wow. And uh, I got on stage about 1130 that night. And, you know, people are just tired. And I looked around and I said, you know, uh, I got my five-year pin just sitting here. And the place went nuts because they loved it and they all felt the same way. So it is a good way to break the ice and, and you know, kind of change the mood a little bit. And chances are with something like that, you change the mood of the room right away. And for all those people a- that absolutely. were... Absolutely. And that's what you have to do as a comedian. You know, a, a, a um, famous comedian has about... Ten minutes. He'll get on stage. He's got ten. He or she has ten minutes before people start. Before they have to be really funny, because people are there to see them. They just, so the first ten minutes are fine. I've got about nobody knows who I am. I've got about sixty seconds. I better get people laughing soon because they're forming an opinion. They don't know who I am. As soon as they, right, they're forming an Absolutely. opinion of you as soon as they see you. Right. Like, Seinfeld, you know, has ten minutes, and then then people get really mad if he's not funny because I've worked with famous people who end up not being funny, and because people pay a lot of money to get in and see them, and then they right. go, okay, it's not worth it, yeah. Right. Well, we're going to take a break for a second. We're going to talk about the business behind comedy on the way back after this break. So here we go with Jan McGinnis. If you want to go to the website while we're waiting, you go to theworklady.com, theworklady.com. Here we go. Do you run a home-based business? Are you looking under every rock for your next superstar diamond in the rough? Are you looking for leads in all the wrong places? Look no more. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, you know you need the right tools in place to run your online business effectively. If you're brand new at your business and you are looking for top-notch training that will take you and your sales team to the next level, for email marketing, autoresponders, lead management systems, and more, Network Leads is what you need to prospect, communicate, manage, and support your customers and sales organizations. Just go to www.networkleads.com forward slash the dash radio and register for your free lead management system today. You've been listening to the Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show all righty this is 
Peter Mingles. I am co-hosting. We're going solo. Don will be back. She thinks tomorrow. We're really not sure yet, and that's okay because we have us with Jan McGinnis, who has a website, theworklady.com, and she's got some other stuff as well. Now, Jan, my background was in sales, and I realized that, you know what, if you're good at what you do, you might have some stuff for some of us to buy. And I like the concept of selling. I've never been afraid of the word. I thought some some of the best things ever happened when I bought the book about the topic I might be interested or those types of things. So what do you have for us if somebody likes your style, wants to kind of gravitate maybe towards the things that you've done or the topic that you have, where would they go to buy it? And then tell us a little bit about those products you might have. Oh, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I have a book on it's on Amazon, and you can get the link either go to Amazon or go through my website. Uh, the book is titled Finding the Funny Fast, How to Create Quick Humor to Connect with Clients, Coworkers, and Crowds. And uh, basically, I write, I've written, uh, aside from being a comedian, I've uh, sold a lot of comedy material to everyone from the Tonight Show monologue to uh, guests on the Jerry Springer show, yes, some of it's staged, um, to uh, radio stations. I used to write for radio prep service for 10 years and 15 days or 500 six stations, and I did it in two hours because um, I had to move on to other stuff. Uh, I write for a, uh, I freelance for a syndicated cartoon strip. Um, you name it, I've I've written for it, and and I write for the shows that I do. I've had uh, so many people coming up and say, "How do you write so fast?" Um, and so I, what I did is I just got tired of answering that question, so I put it in a in a cheap, quick, easy book, and so that anyone can punch up a sales letter or a memo or when you go out networking, I've got some ideas in there for that. Um, and so I just put it in this book so people can go buy it for, I don't know what it is, 12 bucks or something, and plus shipping off of Amazon. And uh, you, you'll get some ideas for how to come up with humor yourself. Um, and I've talked, I've presented my keynotes on, on how to create humor to everyone from secretaries to CEOs because everyone's realizing the power of humor, uh, how they need to start using it. So, so go out and check out the book, Finding the Funny Fast, how to create quick humor to connect with clients, coworkers, and crowds. Excellent. Now, if somebody wanted to hire you for, like, for instance, there's people that have, you know, they, they do events and they have companies that want to have conventions or maybe they're thinking about, you know, maybe we should have her come and maybe speak for yeah. us. Where would they yeah. find you? They could go to go right to theworklady.com. Send me okay. an email. Dan at theworklady.com is my, uh, is my email. So, yeah, I'm... I work through bureaus, but I also work uh, direct, and uh, would love to uh, love to hear from anyone. Now let's talk about the business behind the business. You had mentioned mm-hmm. some things that I wasn't really thinking of because many times when we think about comedians, we think about the end product, the guy or the gal from stage with the microphone, you know, doing their thing, you know, an HBO special or in a back room of a stand-up mm-hmm. comedy or stuff like that. But you started saying things like, "What is this? Uh, comic strips and." you know, uh, entertainment-type <laughs> shows? And, like, are there actually, like, I'm probably answering my own question, but I don't think about it too much. There's actually a business behind writing funny stuff? And that's, like, a question. Oh, yeah. There's a big business. And, and more and more people are realizing that we need humor. I mean, look at the humor around us. When I was a kid, there was maybe three sitcoms. Now we got sitcoms all over the place. We've got, uh, you know, Comedy Central, the old... Laughing Channel. We don't have another channel devoted just to an emotion. Well, Lifetime, the old crying channel. But we, but aside from that, you know, it's getting big business. Comedy is big business, and people need it. And so, yeah, I've, I've uh, built up a, a big business not on just on speaking and not just on the comedy shows, but also on the 
on comedy writing. Um, and there's a business behind all of it, which is the actual marketing. People think, you you mentioned just seeing up on stage with the mic. That's the easy part. I'll tell you what, that's the easy part. The hard part is the is getting to that stage because you've got to do a lot of marketing, a lot of networking, um, a lot of, lot of fun radio shows like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, and then, you know, is a lot of that stuff done without getting paid? Like, um, well, we right. had one... Yeah, we had one gal on our show, um, her name is Rachel, and I, I don't remember the name of her group, but she's Brickhouse and Fields, I believe. But she was one of our first musical guests, and she said, you know, I've worked for a lot of cheeseburgers, you know, where the only thing they did was, you know, a little teeny-weeny, you know, little thing. Yep. They ate for dinner, or they performed for dinner, and she was a musician. So oh, yeah. did you eat the equivalent, quote-unquote, for cheeseburgers when you first got started? <laughs> like, did you do a lot of free yes, gigs? I- I did. I left a great marketing job with great benefits, and I went from there straight down to emceeing in comedy clubs for $25 a show. And that is, or less, sometimes you just do open mics. I mean, open mics would pass the hat, or not even that. Um, you just get up to get the stage time. But what you guys remember when, you, when I was starting out, what I always kept in mind was, uh, I wasn't so worried about the money. I, I needed the stage time. I needed to be in front of people to develop. Uh, my act, and so you know, if you go out into this thinking I got to make money quick, uh, that's a sure recipe for failure. Because what happens? The best advice I got when I went into comedy, uh, a comedian, Lord Corrette, he's out of New York now, um, great guy, and he said, Jan, don't worry about being stuck as an MC. You will not be stuck as an MC. The uh, problem is, a lot of comics can't afford to stay as an MC, so push to be the feature act. There's a three acts of the comedy clubs: the MC feature and then your headliner which is the main act the feature act you get a lot more money and you get to do 30 minutes but a lot of he said a lot of people push to do that and they don't have the material so they're stretching for 30 minutes and so they're not good and so they end up not getting aired anymore or they get stuck as a mediocre feature he said you don't want that you want to get really good as an MC. so spend the time at the bottom getting really good and then you can blast through the feature spot onto the headliner which i did and then moved on to the uh, corporate and and told you some headlining in clubs. Um, so the the key is yeah don't don't freak about the money at first you've got to, you've got to look at the big picture if you want to stand up for the long haul. Luckily I so, did that. Right. So I guess the old expression everything counts or everything counted because more than less likely did you learn from everything that you did and were yeah. some of the, you know were some yeah. of those lessons maybe the most valuable ones. Well, I learned but also I found my, my venue. Um, I mentioned I'd known about the corporate market from um, being in marketing, but I did a lot of bar gigs, and I realized this is not working for me. This is not my act. Uh, this is not – these people don't want these clean little fun you know, fun jokes about family and stuff. I walked into one bar one time, and this is the best line I've ever heard. I walked in, and it's about noon, and people were already drinking, you know, at the bars. My audience was already there drinking – and the show didn't start till about 7. And the bar owner, big guy, came up to me, and he looks at me, and he just looks at this bar. He knows it's just not a big fit. And he said, uh, you ain't got any of them thinking jokes, do you? <laughs> like I was going to accidentally educate his audience or something. And uh, and I realized it was not going to work, but I had to do it. Um, and I did a lot of those, and, and you realize what doesn't work and where your your audience is. And then you get in the corporate market, you realize what you'd li- rather do and what you'd um, rather not do 
So it's all a learning experience, and you do. You learn from everything that you do, hopefully. You walk out with, with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Everything counts. Um, I yep. have a, you know, a, trying to raise kids, have kids that are graduating through high school and into college, and sometimes my son might do stuff for free. You know, might have sh- supposed to be a paying gig. Yeah. He's a musician. And um, I say, you know, whether you realize it or not, everything counts. Everything mm-hmm. you do, you can either maintain your career, you can destroy your career, or you can build your career. And it doesn't matter what the paycheck is at the end of that specific event because it all counts. Like everything counts when you're doing and you're perfecting your your thing. So now the world may not always see that because you might go home to a girlfriend or a spouse or a wife that says, well, how much did you make? And then you say $25, and then you have the ridicule of, (laughs) geez, that was nothing. I mean, geez, you paid that that much per hour in taxes, you know, in your old job. And the reality is, is, but I'm learning something. All right. Right? Let's talk about the business because some people are here and they say, you know, I really would love to be able to do that. Maybe they don't have the stage presence or the wherewithal. Maybe they couldn't handle that heckler. But you said something about maybe like writing for a comic strip and or maybe doing something for uh, maybe the people that are that are actually doing the performing, maybe like a TV show. How in the world did you get started with that? Did it happen to, by divine intervention? Did it, you fall into it? Did you research it? How did that happen? I'll tell you, divine intervention. I mean, I have to say networking. Just about every single thing I did with them, the writing was because I networked and was out in the clubs just about every night for the first few years. And I met people. Uh, I I mentioned I wrote for radio for 10 years. Uh, I knew I met a guy. We were doing um, open mics, my friend Peter Tartalis, who ended up eventually writing for um, uh, Craig Kilborn and... uh, Craig Ferguson, who's on staff there. But at the time, both Peter and I were living in the D.C. area, and I, Peter was writing for this radio uh, prep service. And I I was moving out to L.A., and I said, Peter, I need some writing credits. I've got to have something. And he introduced me to the the people that uh, um, ran the service, and they hired me. So I, they took some samples. Um, I wrote for the Tonight Show because uh, at one point, years, years ago, Jay Leno gave out a fax number, uh, comedians could fax in um, jokes, and uh, so I did that. Um, I wrote for you know the cartoon strip. I, I'm now freelance uh, occasionally for that, and it's because of a friend King introduced me to his, his uh, strip. So it's, it's really was networking was the writing um, portion of it. And but that also happened with the comedy. I mean, I got into the corporate because of networking because I um, I was persistent at calling people and. It, Many things just fell into place. I mean, one funny story is I was calling a comedy club in Iowa uh, to get work, and the guy that answered the phone said, oh, my business partner and I have split. He took the comedy club. I took the corporate end. Are you clean? I don't have any women who are clean who can do corporate. Would you like to do corporate? I said, I'm clean, and I'd love to do corporate. And Keith out of um, Iowa helps me. He got me into the corporate stuff. And, and, and so a lot of it was networking is probably the best thing I can tell you to do when you're starting out. Um, get out there, be out there, and you'll uh, you'll meet people and you'll and, and let people know what you want to do. You know, let people know that you want to write or you want to uh, be on stage or whatever, and, or you want to do corporate or you want to speak in corporations or whatever. And and one of the biggest uh, bureaus I got in with out in the East Coast, uh, a friend of mine was having Thanksgiving dinner with uh, a group of people. And this guy there happened to be an agent at the bureau, and she said, "Oh, my friend Jan is a comedian, and she's clean, and she wants she's doing corporate stuff." 
He said, let me see your tape. And, not, uh, you know, boom, I'm in. But you got to let people know what you want to do. So, Right. So what I heard from you was, you know, the work created the opportunities. And you couldn't always calculate where it would come from, so you just work consistently. Consistently right. working on your thing and doing the right things and just making sure you're out there promoting it because if it's, if it's sitting on the coffee table, it's not doing it on its own. So the work actually right. created its own opportunity for you. That's a great way to put it. That's an excellent way to put it because, you know what, people sometimes people go out there with the purpose of networking to get ahead and that or networking to, to find that contact. And you know what, maybe that works, uh, but – but more importantly, if you're doing what you love and you're out there doing the work, and, and my friend Peter hooked me up with the, ra- the radio gig because he, he had seen me. He'd seen I was funny. He'd seen I was a writer. And so he didn't have a problem recommending me. You know, and that's what, kind of what happened with several of the people. They realized, okay, you know, you're the real deal. You're not just in this to, to make the money and you, you really can write. And so we're going to help you out. I get people sending me, I've got a blog, comedywriterblog.com, where I give tips on uh, comedy writing. And I, I can't tell you how many people send me an email saying, oh, I, I've got to be in a comedy contest. I need five minutes of material. Uh, write me five, five minutes. I want to be on the Tonight Show. Write me five minutes. You know, first of all, if I could get on the Tonight Show, I think I'd keep that five minutes for me, you know. So right, I could yeah. give it to you. But second of all, I have no respect for that. I mean, you're not doing the work. You just want to win a contest, and that's not right. There's people out there working hard to win that contest and writing their own stuff, and it just irritates me in the end when people want to take shortcuts and want to just hand me five minutes of material, you know? Right, and there's no. there's real virtue in, and real value in doing the work because then you, you own it and you become better yeah. at it, your sincerity and all that stuff. And it's right, you, take, yeah, it's you. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what that's what helps you know sell your next thing or promote your next book or whatever. We're gonna you know mm-hmm. we're talking to you. I kind of lose track of time. I got to push another button, and we're gonna come back on the <laughs> other side. We'll be right back. Hold on. With iWowie, you've got a comprehensive video communication suite that will deliver more power, more impact, and more features than any other option. The iWowie video suite offers all these powerful tools and more. Multi-purpose video email for individualized one-to-one messages. Powerful video conferencing for collaborating many-to-many. Fast, efficient broadcasting for elegant one-to-many communications. There's no complicated separate products, no confusing monthly subscription plans, and no special hardware to buy. If you've got a webcam and internet access, you have all the tools you need to strengthen relationships, expand any business, touch lives, and change the world. You've been listening to The Dash Radio Show with hosts Don Wright DeBronce and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio. And now, back to the show. Okay, we are back. This is Peter Mingles riding solo. Dawn Wright, the Bronx, will be back tomorrow. She's thinking. She's on the road and she's doing some stuff, and sometimes she's in areas where the reception for her calling in just won't work. So I usually push her aside and say, I'll handle this one, Dawn. Don't worry about it, but she's threatening to come back tomorrow. So if you want to check in, you certainly can. But we are holding the microphone with Jan McGinnis, and if you go to the website, 
theworklady.com, theworklady.com. You'll be able to take a look at some of her material. And for all those people that like the Dash Radio, need you to do me a favor, support the people that are our guests. So if you are a network marketer and you are, you know, planning on going to a convention and the people that are doing your convention are usually looking for keynote speakers or great breakout room speakers and stuff like that, please consider theworklady.com. Jan, what's your email address? Jan at theworklady.com. <laughs> there we go. So write her and recommend her um, because we always love to support people that are good, hardworking, clean, deserved types of people, and Jan's that kind of person. So for all you guys, and I'm going to share with you, the people who run your network marketing companies or your home-based business companies, sometimes they're wondering, who should we have? We need some fresh faces. We need some really great stuff. She's got wonderful material you should be able to take a look at. So I always like to say make sure you guys support our speakers. So thanks for being here, number one. Number two, let's talk about your passion about the things that you do. We call this the Dash Radio because we want to do, you know, everybody's got their little thing in between the day they start and the day they're done, if you know what I mean. And then whatever you do during that Dash, there are some people uh, like I know you, you you said something earlier in the show that I had to do this. I wanted to do this. I wanted to see if I could do this. And you pursued mm-hmm. your passion. There's a lot of people out there that don't live that life, Chan. You know, like for me, I wanted to see if I could run my own business. And I know, I guess, I could have been more successful financially if maybe I did something else. But for my degree or my definition of success, I wanted to see if I could do it. And money was one of the barometers. You know, everybody needs to make money to be able to provide for their family, but it wasn't the most important one. If I made millions of dollars, but I couldn't do something on my own, I would still feel unfulfilled. So could you give us, you know, some of the rah-rah, shish motivation stuff for those people that might be sitting on the fence. Some of them want to be comedians. Some of them want to be piano players. Some of them want. Some of them might have something inside them. What is it about you that said, this is what I want to do, and I spent 15 years in the corporate world, and I did this and whatever, and I finally found my passion. I love what I'm doing, and if, if it was over today and my dash had to be explained, I would feel satisfied that I was successful doing something. So give us those words of encouragement and wrap it around your story if you can. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, I um, uh, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, I, I got into this because I didn't I, – you're right. I mentioned earlier I didn't want to let life go by without trying this. Um, people oh, – I did this. I lose my train of thought. I think people tr- – worry too much about I've got to get all this training. I know people that wanted to be comedians forever and they and they didn't do it because they kept reading books and, and, and watching comedians and studying it and they won't there comes a point where you have to just I hate to sound like a tennis shoe commercial, but you you gotta just do it. Um, get some stuff behind you, you know if, whatever it is you want to do whether it's comedy or, or I don't know, basket weaving, take a class, you know, get some stuff but at some point you have to just take that step forward and, and try it. Um, you'll get a little successful, and you'll the little bit of success, a little bit of laughter I had the first uh, open mic. I can't tell you what a drug that was. You just walked out thinking, oh, my goodness, this is fabulous to, to feel this, and then you go searching for more of that, um, and it just feeds on itself. So you have to give it a shot. Um, 
what is the worst? Make out the what's the worst thing that could happen if if you don't go forward? You know, you tried it. Okay, it didn't work. Maybe there's some other angle to it. You know, if if I wasn't if I couldn't do stand up comedy, uh, maybe I would have done really pursued more of the writing angle. You know, and who knows what kind of a uh, writer? Maybe I would have made more of my living off being a writer. Um, but I knew I wanted to do something with comedy. So step out and, and give it a, a little bit of a shot. When I was doing these bar gigs, uh, there's one. There's, I remember I did this one. It was just it was just horrible. I was well, I did a lot that were horrible. But this one was I did, I did a lot. Trust me. I did because you have to. Cause the comedy clubs are great, but they didn't pay well. So you needed to supplement uh, your income with uh, what they call one nighters, which are bar gigs. Usually Monday night, uh, when the club is dark, they would have the bar in town would have comedy night. Um, but the problem is they wouldn't tell anyone about it, and they would um, use. So the comedians would show up, and they'd turn off the Monday night football game and send you up, right? So nobody, oh, you know, how welcoming people were that. So I did a lot of those, and they were horrible. But I did this one that was especially horrible because we were on a dance floor, okay? And right above us was uh, some kind of line dancing or Scottish dancing or something that pounded on the floor really hard. So you could hear it through my whole set. You could hear. And the people hated me. It wasn't going well. And you could hear them pounding on the floor. And then halfway through my set, uh, they finished upstairs. So everybody came streaming down and walking across the dance floor in front of me. All right? So it was just a disaster. Disaster horrible or whatever. I got paid. That's about the only thing I got out of it. I went to my room that night, and I turned on the TV, and Jay Leno was on there talking about his new book that had come out. And he said, don't worry, Kelsey will pay you. Don't worry. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope you're right because – I just had a horrible night, and I made very little. Uh, but it did after I stuck with it. Um, but you have to stick with it, and you have to stick through the, the hard times. Uh, I started with a friend of mine who she did. She never quite launched out to be a comedian, but she had the same start I did. We both started in open mics and kind of worked our way through that. And after a while, she kind of faded away, and she moved to Minneapolis. And so a few years ago, well, maybe six or seven years ago, I ran into her, and I said, why didn't you – continue with comedy you had a great start and without missing a beat she looked at me and she said because i saw what happened to you <laughs> she saw the hard times that i was i mean she saw these horrible bar gigs and she it scared her away um so you have to not get scared away if you really want to do it something you have to just keep going and uh, and i feel like the bar gigs were 100 years ago now because i haven't had to do one in so long um that you know you go through it so fast. I mean, all of a sudden it's, it's over, and you're like, wow, I'm on the other side of that. It's okay. It's much better now. <laughs> but would you, would you say that some of your best stuff came as a result of some of your worst stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Great stories. You know, that's a great question because now I do these humor keynotes, and I use many of the stories unchanged because I had so much change leaving the corporate world and then doing, you know, starting the comedy clubs and all that. I had all this change and I have great, funny, unique stories that that are really connect with the audience because they see how, they hear how bad things were for me. And so, yes, it, it, it really created what I'm now doing, which, and which is, which is going, and it's all going great because I have this space. Plus, you know what, I, I see these people winning, you know, these, um, contests on TV and stuff, and they're missing the good stories. You know, if you zip the fame in American Idol, you don't have a good bar gig story. You know, you're never going to have that. Uh, you might have it after the fame goes away, but you're not going to have that. And I think that's the fun part is to get out here now and look back and go, yep, I was making, you know, 
I made ten bucks at that show, and the drunks were up on the stage while I was talking. You know, that's a good story. Other people don't have those kind of stories. Right, and then I guess you know sometimes the reactions that you develop as a result of those things that you cannot control, like the people walking right across <laughs> the dance floor, you kind of have to figure that out. You know, you got to be kind of good on your feet. The, yeah, the you have to figure out. You're right. You have to sit there and figure out. Okay, how how am I going to get through this? What or you're you're down to where you need to book some work, and you have to sit there and you've got to get creative and you got to figure out. Okay, I need to get make some more money, how am I going to do it? And it forces you out of your comfort zone, but in a good way, you know? When, Because um, when you're in sales and you're training a lot of new salespeople all the time, there's always, like, really horrible things that happen. I mean, just really <laughs> horrible things that happen, just everything. And I kind of figured out that when I would talk to them, I'd say, oh, good, so you're right on track. So they're right on track. I mean, these <laughs> things have to happen. Like, these really yeah. horrible things have to happen. And in order in for you some, to move forward, right. Yeah, in some warped, twisted way, you know? Yeah, it makes you stronger. Now, you know what? I mean, there, it takes a lot to throw me at one of these corporate things. I, I could have the ceiling fall in, and I'm fine, because it can't be as bad as what I went through in those, in those bar gigs, you know? Right. So I'm, I've had the, the fire alarm go off. I've had all sorts of stuff, the corporate stuff, and it, it doesn't bother me. I'm not freaked out because I went through much worse when I first started out, when I had less skills, and I got through that. So, makes sense. So whether you, right, so whether you want to be a comedian or a plumber or whatever, whatever. the thing is, all that stuff just kind of counts. So you kind the of only thing on. I do wish I'd done, and I would tell everyone to do, keep a journal. Because I really, there's, I, 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 maybe I'll go under hypnosis and get some of these stories out, because I had some funny ones. I didn't keep a journal the whole time. And I, mm-hmm. and I really wish I had because I could look back and there would be just some great stories on the road where I was traveling, driving 50,000 miles a year for 10 years, you know, and I think I would have had a, a, just some really uh, – I have some good stories, but I can't remember them all. Right. Can you – and I, I know this is going to put you on the spot just a little bit in a nice way. Could you remember mm-hmm. anything that you might have done that made such an impact on someone's life at that moment that you had no clue? Like, no clue. You know, maybe you were there and you turned somebody around that was really thinking in a bad way, or maybe they were really depressed about something. They saw your show, they spoke to you, they read your line, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea how much of an impact I might have had on this one person. I can't. It's on the tip of my brain. I'm trying to remember because, and I've had some very nice comments, people coming up after the show and saying, thank you, you know, we've had a horrible day and this was just wonderful. I'm trying to think of anything where I've had a, a major impact that I didn't know at the time. I know people I, have had an impact on me, and I've right. walked out later, I and I, and I later brought it up to them and said, thank you. That really you know, saved me right there. Right, and I'm, I'm positive. There's a lot of people that probably might be in their own little dark space, and then all of a sudden they come and see your show, and it's like, you'll never know the lives you might right. have said. The, the people you might have turned around, the relationships that you might have rekindled. I mean, it's just huge what happens when people start laughing. Because I know some people well, might go, some people go and they're kind of like in their own little funk, and then all of a sudden you start to break it up, and that starts a cascading a series of events. So humor really counts. Well, we we have been here with Jam McGinnis. For those people that are listening in, you want to go to www.theworklady.com. Buy the book if you're doing anything with groups. 
bring her on. She has great humor, clean, good stuff for your corporate events and everything else you might be having going on. And we'll have you come back, Jan. I want to say thanks for being here. We're already running late, which is a really good sign. I know it's comedy. We're we're on time, and we have to get off stage on time. So yeah, I they're going to shut us, they're going to shut us off no matter what. So we're going to we're going to close this up. All right, thank you very much for being here. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. At the Dash, we know that your time is precious, and your choosing to spend it with us means a lot. To get reminders for our live shows, click follow on the top of any show. Also, subscribe to our blog for articles, inspirations, and great products and services for your ever-growing business at thedashradio.com. For upcoming mobile experience, text DASH to 37404. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thedashradio. Again, thanks for spending some of your Dash with us. We look forward to talking with you again soon.